Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Annika Merrilies, filling in for Megan Liz Smith. Joining me in the KBIA studios is Michael Stacy. Hey there, good to be here. <laughs> How's it going, Michael? Just happy to be back. We have three topics lined up for today's roundtable discussion. First, this week we learned about some changes that will make life easier for financial technology companies. Next, we look at the startups accepted to a Kansas City program where companies pitch themselves as solutions to city problems. Then, an update on a story from a previous episode. Once again, it's Missouri and scooter startups. After that, the founder of travel startup Trip Sushi talks about transitioning from a consumer-targeted model to a business-to-business model. Then, Adam Tilford talks about what Mission Taco Joint is doing to be sustainable. So, let's get started. Our first topic, the Trump administration announced some potentially big changes for the fintech industry. Fintech companies, which offer financial services through technology, may soon survive and thrive much more easily. Michael, as I understand it, this may be good news for Missouri's fintech scene. Yeah, it does seem like it would be welcome news to the fintech startups here in the state. And Missouri actually has a decent density of those types of companies, thanks in large part to the startup accelerators here. So it's got 630 in St. Louis, which has been around since 2013, and it's worked with about 40 different fintech startups. You also have some companies that have come through other accelerators, like Techstars out of Kansas City. It just welcomed a company that we touched on last week that is working on a payday lending alternative. And then the soon-to-open Fountain City FinTech Accelerator is trying to draw more of these types of companies to Kansas City. So there's a decent market for FinTech startups here in Missouri. So the news for this week is that a Bureau of the Treasury Department announced it will start accepting national charter applications from fintech companies. Currently, the fintech industry is not federally regulated. That means a lot of these companies' time is spent applying for licenses in, in every state that they operate in. Right. And we should make sure to qualify this a bit. This only applies to companies that are just financial middlemen, but don't actually hold any of the money that changes hands. Right. And this week, the news broke, and, and immediately we saw some celebration on behalf of the fintech industry. But would you mind explaining to me some of the arguments against this plan? Yeah, not everyone is thrilled with the decision. First, there are the state regulators who are calling this an overreach since it changes fintech from being something that's regulated at the state level to something that could be regulated nationally. Additionally, consumer advocacy groups have expressed some concerns. And then, of course, on the other hand, we're seeing people praise this as a way to boost small companies, create jobs, and support innovation, um, and also as a way to support financial institutions that are not banks. So to summarize, what do people need to know about all this? I think it's that there's an intensifying battle between Wall Street and Silicon Valley, and this is a win for tech in that battle, and it could make life easier for financial technology startups here in Missouri. Our next topic, Kansas City's Innovation Partnership Program. As a Kansas City native, I'm going to ask you to start us off. Well, thank you. Yeah, so this is a three-month program that essentially connects a group of startups with the Kansas City government. Entrepreneurs are given access to city data and to city infrastructure, and the goal with all of that is to see if their technologies can solve some of the problems the city is facing. And at the end, the city will decide if it wants to partner with any of the companies that have been in the program. Right. I've seen this referred to as a front door for entrepreneurs to to get in and pitch their startups to city government. Exactly. And we have just learned which startups are in the running for that this year. There are six startups that are aimed at solving a wide variety of issues. There is Dog Spot, which offers these little sidewalk units where people can park their dogs as they run errands. The units have heat and air conditioning and a camera, so you can watch your pup from an app. (laughs) 
I think people will love that. Another one that I found interesting is Geospeza, a technology that's aimed at helping cities prepare to respond to crises. It pulls together data from multiple sources to help officials and responders make those critical decisions when disasters hit. Right, and that's just two of the six startups. There are others that are using technology to tackle issues like energy usage and zoning. And so what do we know about the chances that some of these companies will get a contract with the city at the end of all this? I think to, to understand that, we got to look back at kind of the track record. So this is the program's fourth year. 16 companies have participated to date, and seven of those companies have signed contracts with the city. So, Michael, would you summarize what all this means? Sure. To me, it, it feels like a win-win for startups and for the city. From the business standpoint, they can tap into the resources of Kansas City and get exposure that may help them grow. And from the city's standpoint, it enables them to try out new technology at no cost, and it boosts the city's profile as a place that is friendly for entrepreneurs. For our final roundtable topic, we'll briefly check in with Missouri's Scooter Startup Saga. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so we thought we'd offer an update. Michael, could you give a quick recap? I would be happy to. So scooter startups, as we have covered recently, have been sweeping the nation, and they have been causing some headaches along the way. These startups have used sort of guerrilla tactics to enter markets. They've dropped scooters into cities without much warning and without prior regulatory approval. And we've covered all of that pretty extensively, in part because I love the story. And you can find kind of the blow-by-below in previous podcasts and at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. But to get us up to speed, the latest development this week is that Kansas City has struck a deal with one of the scooter startups, Bird. So what does the deal look like for Kansas City? The specifics are that it is an interim agreement, so this is not a permanent deal. But Bird will pay $500, which is a standard commercial fee. Then it will pay $1 each day for each scooter that it operates in the city. The city has also asked Bird to provide data on its operations in Kansas City. So, in summary? The battle for supremacy among mobility startups continues, and Kansas City is one step closer to figuring out just how to sort of regulate all of these companies. All right. Well, I think that's it for the roundtable. After a short break, Missouri Business Alert reporter Megan Liz Smith will talk to the founder of Trip Sushi, a Kansas City-based travel agency. Then, Missouri Business Alert reporter Christopher Teig will talk to Adam Tilford, co-owner of Mission Taco Joint. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Pilevsky, and I'm here to let you know that Speaking Startup is now looking for sponsors. If you're looking for a creative way to market to an audience of informed business decision makers across the state of Missouri, Speaking Startup is the place for you. For more information about how you can promote your company through Speaking Startup, check out the link in the description. Now, back to the program. Spencer Carlson founded Trip Sushi after traveling to more than 30 countries over the course of a year. Now he wants to help others do the same. The company started with a consumer-targeted model, but are switching to business-to-business. Megan talked to Carlson all about it. Hello, I am here with Spencer Carlson, the founder of Trip Sushi. Spencer, can I have you start out by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about who you are? Yeah, my name is Spencer Carlson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Trip Sushi. So, what is Trip Sushi? We're trying to make international travel really easy for people to plan and book. We connect them with local people so they have really authentic experiences. We hook them up with really interesting lodging options and and try to make that whole experience really easy for them. So how does your product actually work? Right now, basically you would come and inquire with us on one of our 
trips on the site and then help customize a perfect trip for you. The, the next iteration that we've been rolling out in the last couple of months is a, a personalized thing where basically all this is automated on the website. So instead of having those, those conversations and, and doing it very manually, we have some AI and algorithms built in where we can chat with you on the site and then those things can be done automatically. Huh, interesting. So who all is working with you on Trip Sushi? I'm the co-founder, and then I also have a CTO. I launched this three years ago, and then it was just me until last year. We're actually switching right now to a B2B model. We're approaching businesses and saying, hey, we have this great online travel agency that we've built. Now we want to offer this to you so that you can offer travel as a benefit to your employees. Huh. What companies have you approached? I've been looking at companies that are really fast growing. They're hiring people. They're they're smaller though. They have less than 100 employees. Anybody who has problems with churn, people coming in and out a lot, or they have a hard time getting people to move to Kansas City, and it's actually about a fifth of the cost of a typical benefit that they currently offer. So, who were your initial investors, and where did you get the money to get Trip Sushi off the ground? The only money that's been injected into the company outside of my own personal funds, which was not much, was a grant that I won last year. I won Digital Sandbox, which granted me $25,000. So how is Trip Sushi doing? We, we sold our first trip in the first week on Trip wow. Sushi when we launched it. We've been in operations for the entire year, and I've got people out of the country right now. Huh. So what's your background? Is this something that you would have imagined yourself doing as a kid, being an entrepreneur? No, not at all. Actually, I was interested in business, but I never really understood. When I first went to college, I thought I wanted to learn more about business, so I enrolled in entrepreneurial and, and business classes. I went to Northwest Missouri State, and the professor of those classes owned a local barbecue joint, and that was the type of entrepreneurship that I learned about, like getting a loan from a bank and having a restaurant or something yeah. like that. And that didn't intrigue me. So it wasn't until later on I went and traveled around the the world for a couple of years. There was an opportunity for a job in Malawi in Africa, and I thought that that was intriguing, but uh, instead of just applying for the job and, and trying to move to Africa, I, I thought I should go and check it out. So I went and volunteered, and then that really sparked my intrigue, and I came back to the States, and for the next four or five months, sold everything that I owned, worked my butt off, and saved up and planned uh, around the world trip for the next year. 30 countries in a year, and then landed in Australia, lived there for a while. So what was the catalyst for starting Trip Sushi now after you returned home from traveling? I basically wanted to touch as many lives and change society and the world as much as possible if I could. The, the travel thing was not my first attempt at, at entrepreneurship or my first business. The first thing that I came up with was basically a classroom-to-classroom international Skyping thing where mm. a classroom of third graders in Kansas City would Skype with a, a classroom of third graders in Egypt and they would learn together. And then instead of seeing things through the media or having the parents teach them, they could actually develop personal relationships with people from different backgrounds and different cultures and learn about the real world in that way. I had no idea how to build a website. I had no idea how to do deals, how to, how to sell people, I had no idea what I was doing, and that idea really didn't even get off the ground very well. The entire trip around the world through 30 countries, I only spent $10,000. Flights, lodging, 
I was not rich. I did not have a bunch of money. I was bartending and you know, I just I used my tax refund and sold everything and that's all I could come up with. Because I did that, I ended up staying with people and you know, I used couch surfing, I used platforms like HelpX where you can work for people on their farm or help them rebuild their house and they'll give you food and lodging for free. So I basically had to hack my way around the world as cheaply as possible and I learned a lot through that. That's the foundation of how Trip Sushi was born. What makes Trip Sushi different from all the other travel startups out there? B2C businesses where you're just going after consumers, you need to convince a ton of people to book trips with you when they know that they can go out and search for flights and lodging on their own is yeah. extremely difficult. We realize that we have a, an incredible opportunity right now because we have the basal layer of the online travel agency built that we can differentiate with those local connections and the ability to do the whole trip on one page versus yeah. buying your flights here and buying your stuff everywhere. We've built that. So switching to a B2B model where we're getting employers to sign up where we can offer them the infrastructure on the back end of automatically deducting $100 from everybody's paycheck and deposit that into an account where they can track their travel goals and then they can incentivize their workforce by offering them perks for hitting revenue goals or hours billed or whatever their metrics are for whatever their job is, motivate their whole workforce through travel and experiences, which is what millennials and Gen Xers want these days. And if you can stand out as an employer, you can attract those people, keep them in, and then really reward them with an awesome company culture. You know, for the B2B market and travel is huge for business travelers. You know, the people that are yeah. traveling around the country all week long. But this vacation thing and the B2B travel savings and benefit portion of it is just coming around. And because millennials and Gen Xers are, are coming up in the workforce and becoming those young professionals, they're going to demand these types of things. It's going to be the norm, you know, 10 years from now. Well, I think that's about all of my questions. Thank you for joining me on Speaking Startup, Spencer. You got it. Thanks for having me. Adam Tilford is co-owner of Mission Taco Joint, a St. Louis-based restaurant chain. They recently joined the trend of eliminating plastic straws. They've also been using compostable containers since their founding in 2013. Christopher talked to Tilford all about it. Adam, would you describe your business for us? Briefly, we kind of describe it as a cocktail beer bar that serves California-style tacos. We're not aiming to try to be a traditional Mexican restaurant. We're kind of putting a, a California spin on there. My brother and I grew up in California. What kinds of actions and policies are you guys taking to become more sustainable? Well, the big one, obviously, with the straws this year is we were just automatically putting straws in waters and sodas and everything. First thing we did was go to straws upon request. And now we've also moved to using compostable straws. Unfortunately, even the compostable straws aren't amazing. If they end up in a landfill, they're still going to stick around for a long time. You know, we've got five restaurants, so it's hard to make quick changes. And we want to make sure that when we make changes, we're consistent across the board. We're currently looking at different straws as well. We're looking at paper straws. They're just super expensive. And honestly, like some people really hate paper straws, man. It's really amazing. We do have some plastic containers that are recyclable. You know, you just need certain plastic things for sauces or hot items. And then everything else, all of our large to-go packaging is compostable. It always has been. 
So with all those sustainable decisions, what, what was the motivation there? What was driving you? Just as a growing company, we never thought we'd be growing this big, and we're humbled that we are, but I think people are looking at us as leaders in the industry now in St. Louis. You know, we're a large restaurant group, and we saw the chance to be able to help affect change in the industry. And, and how are these sustainable choices that you're making affecting your bottom line? So the cost savings there, that didn't come from the switch. The straws are actually a little more expensive. The cost saving came in from just putting them on request and not just automatically putting them in every drink. So the straws themselves are a little bit more, but we're using way less of them. I mean, a tremendous, it's amazing how many fewer straws we're using. I mean, a thank you bag, you know, just those little plastic bags, those things cost like 0.01 cents. I mean, they're just nothing, you know, to switch to a paper bag that size. Now you're talking 40 cents. Restaurant margins are small. If you're making 10% margin on your sales, you're doing a really good job. Someone buys a $10 burrito and eats half of it and wants to take that to go. Not only do you have to give them a 25 cent box to put it in, but then if they get a bag as well, that's another 40 cents on top of it. It's pretty much your profit. It's gone. We've seen other p people that do like to go environmental charges, and we don't want to go that route. You know, we're just trying to figure it out. The brand we're building to and our, our clientele, we're appealing to millennials quite a bit and people that are just a little more aware and conscious of what's going on with their surroundings and what they're using. So do you have any advice or tips for any entrepreneurs who are thinking about making sustainable choices for their own business? Yeah, it's a tough one. Because, uh, you know, mission was our fourth concept, and I can tell you that it's the first one that's been financially stable. It's such a hard business. And to be honest, it's hard to blame anyone for going the cheap route on things. It's tough. Margins are tough. So as far as advice, think about the impact that you're going to have before you open the doors, because it actually is going to be a lot easier to get these policies set up front and grow them as opposed to the struggles of trying to implement them later. Because we definitely had some issues. We have 100, 200 servers and bartenders that we're trying to retrain on not bringing straws out. And it hasn't been the easiest thing. We're kind of in a learning phase right now to see what we can do to be more sustainable. All right, Adam Tilford with Mission Taco Joint. Thanks for joining us, Adam. All right, it's time for our final segment, a look at important numbers in entrepreneurship news. It's Can I Get Your Digits? Michael, can I get your digits? You sure can. My digit for the week is 55, and that is the size in acres of Johnny Morris's newest Missouri tourism destination. It's a restored mill in Ozark. So Morris is the billionaire founder of Bass Pro Shops. He has grown his empire beyond retail. It now includes a variety of outdoor destinations across the state, including Big Cedar Lodge and the Wonders of Wildlife Museum. So this is the latest play by Morris, and if his track record is any indication, it could become another big tourism draw. Annika, can I get your digits? Sure can, Michael. This week my number is 4.225%. That's Missouri's sales tax rate. This weekend, starting Friday, Missourians are getting a break from the state sales tax. Between August 3rd and midnight on August 5th, people can shop without that 4.2% tax applying. Although over 150 Missouri cities do not participate in this, for instance, Columbia. And also some items are exempt, so maybe check the Department of Revenue website before hitting the mall. 
Let's end this week's episode with an entrepreneurship tip from Mark Havner, the filmmaker behind Lawrence based Resonate Pictures. Be good to everyone. People you hire now will someday be hiring you. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This podcast was produced and edited by me, Annika Merrilies. Thank you to Michael Stacy for hosting with me. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. We'll speak to you next week.